0: Isaiah 40, the message is, Behold our God, and let's be renewed in Him. Stand with me in honor of God's Word, and we will read Isaiah 40 together. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens in a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel whom did he consult and who made him understand who taught him the path of justice who taught him knowledge who showed him the way of understanding behold the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are uh, are accounted as the dust of the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith Lays it with, overlays it with gold and casts for it fine uh, silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set an idol that will not be moved. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Surely, or scarcely are they planted, scarcely are they sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them by name. By the greatness of his might, because he is strong in power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who had no might, he increases strength. Even youths faint and and are weary, and their young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint this is god's word you may be seated what a chapter we're going to read that every sunday in december it's beautiful why do we say that the theme of isaiah 40 is spiritual renewal by beholding god well the context tells us that god's people Israel, Judah and Jerusalem to be specific, that's how the book starts, they have been in spiritual decline. Isaiah is prophesying about a time when they will be in exile in Babylon. They're under the discipline of God and so they are downcast in every way that you could imagine. That was last week's message, and I don't have time to review all of that, so let me encourage you to listen to it, but that is the historical context. No doubt, some of the people who are downcast and wondering if God has forgotten them had actually been faithful to the Lord during this time. Their names are actually mentioned in books of the Bible, like Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. These are people who did trust the Lord, but nonetheless, they experienced the exile along with the rest of the nation, and so they're downcast. The chapter begins, where we began last week, with comfort. Comfort my people. And then the chapter proceeds with the vision of God that is needed For people to be comforted in the Lord. A vision that is needed for there to be hope and faith in the heart. And the chapter ends with the promise of renewed strength for those who wait upon the Lord. So that's why we say this is a chapter about spiritual renewal through the vision of God, beholding God. And it's a timeless message. It was for Isaiah's day. And the exiles of his day. But this is a timeless message of spiritual renewal for the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church is always in need of renewal. Colossians says, New Testament book says, Christians are made new by Christ and always being renewed into the image of Christ. And let's be honest, sometimes we actually sin. Sometimes we actually grow cold in relation to Christ. Sometimes the things of the Spirit and of the Word are not priority in our life. Sometimes. We're more like the world than we are like Christ. So we need renewal. We need to be renewed in our vision of Christ, our love for Christ, our following Christ. And sometimes, when we are following faithfully after Jesus Christ, we still feel dry distant like we're in a distant land like we're in exile and we need to know the truth and we need to be renewed by knowing the glory and the greatness and the grace of the Lord so Isaiah 40 is about this it's about God in Christ and it's for the renewal of the people of faith in Christ But maybe, too, there are some who have yet to come to faith in Christ. You're with us, you're here today, and you're thinking about what it means to be a Christian. And it's our hope and prayer that even today, you'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll be called to faith in Him and you'll respond. Isaiah 40, as we said last week, we're taking it in four sections. I I sent you an email a couple of weeks ago. You could take it in seven. I suppose you could do it in three or one or maybe 20. I don't know, but we're doing it in seven, or excuse me, four sections in the four weeks of December. Last week, verses one through eight, comfort my people, says the Lord. And we spoke about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and to renew us. And how we're to be prepared like John the Baptist preached to prepare the way of the Lord. How we are humbled and hopeful and expectant. And how we can be assured. Because God said He would forgive us of our sins. God said He would renew His people. And if God said it, His Word stands forever. Today, verses 9 through 11, behold your God. He comes as a king shepherd. He comes to rescue and to renew. And in the next two weeks, we'll take parts three and four. Our passage today begins in verse 9 by telling the heralds, the proclaimers, the evangelists, To call out to the people to behold their God. And then, verses 10 and 11, the passage gives us two pictures of the way God has come to us. One is the conquering king and two is the shepherd. So that's the structure in the outline. Verse 9, to set it up, he says, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Go up, he says. Well, Jerusalem is up high seated up high people when they went up to jerusalem they were exiles or pilgrims walking up high to jerusalem a city set up on a hill and they went up there like the psalms of ascent the psalms of ascents psalms 120 through psalm 134 are the psalms of of ascents that people walked up when they went and from this place there's the renewal of god and they are to herald They're to proclaim, they're to preach, they're to evangelize, they're to preach the good news from this place. And this is interesting because the word good news, actually, if you're translating the Old Testament into the Greek, into a Greek uh, language, then you would use the same word for good news or evangelism or the evangelist here. The gospel is being preached here, the message of God is being preached here. The gospel is to come from Jerusalem to the cities of Judah and really around the world. Quite literally, in Jesus' day, the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached from Jerusalem to the cities of Judah and to the whole world. We think about the birth of Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 2. Just after Jesus was born, just a few days after he's born in Bethlehem, his parents took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple. And they were going to offer up the sacrifice that the law of Moses told them to offer up there. And there were two people there in Jerusalem, this city, there in Jerusalem that day, just after Jesus was born, Simeon and Anna. And they both, when they saw Jesus, heralded forth. They proclaimed. They were evangelists that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They actually rejoiced in the salvation of God, that He had come to His people and to the Gentile world. So, quite literally, from Jerusalem, Isaiah is prophesying when, at the return of the exiles, but quite literally from Jerusalem, the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, even in, in Luke chapter 2. And then we come to the book of Acts. After Jesus' death, And resurrection and ascension just as Jesus said would happen the Holy Spirit filled the apostles and the early believers and from the city of Jerusalem they began to proclaim that salvation is in Jesus Christ and there were people in the city of Jerusalem that day uh, God fearing people from the surrounding nations. The gospel went forth. That's what he's telling them to do, and it's actually what happened. And here we are today. We sit in this room today as believers in Jesus Christ because God has seen fit to fulfill this prophecy right here. Verse 9, the people are told to lift up their voices, to speak and to declare with strength and no fear. That's what happens when we're renewed by the grace of God. Speaking with strength and no fear. And what are they told to say? A simple gospel presentation. Three words. Behold your God. There's the essence of the good news. And we can say, and we will say more about the gospel, but that's the essence of it. Because the gospel is about God. Behold God. He doesn't say, Behold man. He doesn't say, Behold the works of man. Behold the great society of man. Behold the great culture of man, or the technology, or the industry of man. He doesn't say, Behold evolved man. Behold complete man. Behold collective man. Behold this man or that man. None of that. Why? Because we saw last week, in verses 6 and 7, All men, all women, all people, and everything about man is grass. It withers. With one breath, it's blown away. We have no hope in man. It's not the gospel. He says, get up on high mountain Zion, herald, bearer, proclaimer of good news, and proclaim, behold your God, God alone, God only, God always, God is salvation. God is hope. God must do this. Do you believe that? Do you pray like that? God must do this. God must save. Only God can save. Turn to him. Behold your God because God has turned to us. Emmanuel, God with us. And as the word unfolds, the light shines and tells us that he has turned to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We read it this morning from John 1. He tells us, the Bible tells us, that all of the fullness of God all of His grace and truth that's in Christ, all of that we have beheld. We have beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Behold your God is to say behold Christ. Colossians chapter 1 says all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. Turning to Christ is turning to God. Beholding Christ is beholding God. John the Baptist, John chapter 1, he said, "Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold him. See him." 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 says that we are beholding now. Now that Christ has come, we're beholding with unveiled faces clearly we're beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we behold the glory of Christ, we're being transformed into one image of glory from one degree of glory to the other. And that we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We behold God when we behold Christ. A sign of spiritual renewal. In a Christian and in a congregation, is when we behold God, and in beholding Him, we are renewed And we strongly, boldly then herald forth the good news of Jesus Christ. That's renewal. Now think about this word beholding. He says in this last part of verse 9, Say to the cities of Judah, here's what the evangelists are supposed to say, Behold your God. Think of this word behold. Of course it means to look at something. And to see it. But it means to perceive it. It means to take it in. It means to hold it in your mind. To understand it. It's it's different. It's, It's deeper than a glance. Or a thought. Or a yeah, I saw it. No, when you behold it, something's happening to you. When you behold something, that something is holding you it's holding your attention you're alerted to it you're captivated by it may the holy spirit give us the perception to behold this is what we do with jesus christ that's why paul uses that phrase we behold the glory of the lord when we see christ we behold christ we hold him in our minds and in our hearts we hold him before us in the word as you're reading the Bible, here's what happens. Here's what's supposed to happen, okay? If you, now, you're going to have to pray for this because it might not be happening to you. You might be reading the Bible and saying, what? But if you're reading the Bible, this is what's supposed to happen. We're reading the words of the Bible, and we're supposed to be beholding through words. We don't behold through images. The Lord said, don't do that, right? Ten Commandments, don't do that. Don't create an image to behold God. Why? Because no image can hold God. So we have a Bible, and we're opening it up, and we're reading about it. We're here in Isaiah 40, and we're beholding the Lord through words. That's what God gave us. We're the people of the Word. And so we're beholding Him, and we're seeing it, and we're perceiving as the Spirit is giving us insight. Our minds are being captivated. Our hearts are being changed. We hold Him before us in word and song and prayer, and then we're held by Him. We are captivated by his glory, by his greatness, and by his grace, just like John the Baptist was. Behold the Lamb of God. Again, 2 Corinthians 3 says, We are with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. Beholding Christ touches us at the deepest level of our soul, it touches us at the level of affection beholding Christ touches us so deeply that something gets generated if you're like me you want you want to be obedient you want the good things of the spirit to come out of your life of course you do and so you try to generate them yourself and yet the scriptures are calling us to behold Christ you want to be bold like Christ look at the boldness of Christ behold Christ you want to love like Christ look at the love of Christ behold Christ You want to be obedient to the Father like like Christ? Look at Christ and be obedient to the Father. You see, we're beholding Him, and it's generating affection. It's changing us deep within ourselves. We're being renewed, it says, from one degree of glory to another when we behold Him by faith. And now, what is it about the Lord that we're supposed to behold he told us in verse 9 behold your God now verse 10 what is it that we're supposed to behold about the Lord well look what it says behold the Lord comes with might Emmanuel God is with us yes joy to the world the Lord has come let earth receive her king this really is good news I mean, here's what here's here's an application. Before we get to the applications, celebrate Christmas. Like get into it. Why? Because this is the utmost joy. Behold, your God comes unto us in the city of David. A Savior was born, who is Christ the Lord. And how has He come to us? And here are the two pictures. Of the Lord Jesus Christ the first one is in verse 10 it says he comes with might and his arm rules for him behold his reward is with him and his recompense is before him and you can if you're a, if you're writing your bible you could write Jesus right there now in Isaiah's day <clears throat> the Assyrians and the Babylonians were no match for the ruling arm of the Lord and of the Lord's power. And the Lord did come, and He did take His exiles back to Judah and in Jerusalem, went in three stages. In the 500s, the 400s, He did that. The Lord God is pictured here. You've got to see it. He comes with an arm ruling and a reward and a recompense. The Lord God is pictured here as a warrior king and he is marching back from a battle and he has delivered his captive people and now he is carrying his captive people as if they are the spoils of war they are his reward they are his recompense his wage for going and fighting this battle And that's what Isaiah's people needed to see in their day as they're in exile. And as the word unfolds, the light shines and we see signs of Jesus Christ. The king who brought a kingdom near. A king, Jesus, who shows his power. A king who will rescue his people from spiritual bondage. A king who rescues us from Satan's power. It's, It's in the Christmas carol. I mean, this year, as you sing Christmas songs, just slow them down, okay? Slow them down. Like, put down the eggnog. (laughs) and, And look at the words to the Christmas songs. They are battle words. He delivers us from Satan's power. That is bloody warfare waged by King Jesus against all the powers of darkness. I've been reading in the Gospel of Mark, <clears throat> just for my own personal edification, and the early chapters there show Jesus this way. He comes on the scene in chapter 1, and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I don't know what you envision when you hear the kingdom of God is at hand, but I'm going to tell you what happened. Because right after he said the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus went to battle. He went to battle by casting the devil out of people. He waged war by telling a man your sins are forgiven. And the religious leader said, you can't do that. And he said, I can not only do it, I'll show you I can do it. And he healed the man to prove it. He went to war against darkness because he showed up as king jesus ruling by the time you get to mark chapter 3 jesus tells this parable he said you can't go into a strong man uh, a strong man's house and plunder his property unless you first go in and bind up the strong man himself That's a strange parable for Jesus to tell. Well, it makes perfect sense when the king shows up to wage war against darkness because Jesus Christ goes into the house of the strong man Satan and Jesus Christ binds up Satan and he plunders his property. And guess what? You and I are the spoils. Jesus rescued us from darkness back to Isaiah 40 verse 10 this is Christ the Messiah ruling as the king and his reward the people who he has saved in power he has rescued us from sin and from Satan in theology we refer to this as Christ the victor Christ the Through his sinless life, his work on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his triumph over evil, sin, Satan, and death, he rescues the people of faith. And he secures all that God has provided for us in in salvation. And we will reign with him as victors with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Think about that good news, brothers and sisters. That is your comfort. That is your comfort. I know you need comfort, but where are you going to find it? The old Heidelberg Catechism puts it this way. What is your comfort in this life and death? What is your comfort in this life and death? What what are you wanting over the next few weeks before the end of the year to be your comfort in this life and death? Okay, you need a vacation. Take it. But what is your real comfort? Here's what the Catechism said. Here's my comfort in life and death that I am not my own. That I belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who is fully paid for all my sins, and with his precious blood, and he has set me free from the power of the devil, and also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, His Spirit, by His Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life that makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That's our hope in life and death. Colossians 1 puts it this way. Our hope is... That he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. Behold your God. Behold Christ. He's a warrior king who's done everything necessary to rescue you from your own sin and darkness and the devil himself. Take comfort in that. And the second way he shows us Christ. Now, okay, so now he's the victor. Christ is the victor. He's the king. He's rescued us. What what does he do with us now? Verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Think about it. All of the power of Jesus Christ to rescue you from darkness and sin is now used to carry you to carry you and to keep you all the way to the end it says first that he gathers his people like lambs in his arms the ruling arm of god i mean if we could just if you can just picture it i don't know you got to be careful here but isaiah seems to be giving us permission to at least think about this his his ruling arm my, I was going to try to flex, but that won't work. But think about one, all right? His ruling arm is now his gathering arms. His king, he's defeated. Now, as shepherd, he's gathering. How does he gather? Christ calls. You see it in the Gospels. Read the Gospels this Christmas. Read Mark. Starts out. Mark starts out. Jesus walks along. He sees Simon, Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and then James and John. And he says, hey, you follow me. And they immediately, they left everything and they follow him. That's, him. That's, that's Jesus gathering. He's calling. He calls his people. They hear his voice. They follow. Do you hear his voice? I mean, if, it's, if anything is happening in you today, if anything is stirring you today to want Christ, if anything is stirring you today, even pay a little bit of attention, I promise you, you didn't work that up. That's the spirit of the living God working in your life right now. And if you hear his voice in any way, respond to him. He's calling. He's he's gathering. And when he gathers, he carries. Close to his heart and his bosom. It's the closest place to his concerned heart. So we don't need to be afraid today to talk about the tenderness and the concern of Jesus because we just spoke about his his bloody warfare against darkness on the cross. And so with all now boldness, we can speak that he's a tender shepherd who carries his people and he is concerned for everything you're concerned about. Every care that you have, every burden that you are carrying, every, every point of depression or anxiety, he cares. He's carrying you, his people. He loves you. Trust him. Entrust your whole life to him. And he leads. He gathers, he carries, and then what does he do with the sheep? He leads us. He leads us along by, into green pastures and along quiet waters and in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. What do we see here? Yes, we prayed a moment ago, the 23rd Psalm. But we see John 15, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I laid down my life for the sheep. I did battle for my sheep. I defeated sin and Satan for my sheep. And now I carry them and I lead them. They hear my voice and they follow me. Behold your God. Behold Christ. Do you need to be renewed? Is your heart weary? Is your faith old and cold? Your prayer's dry. Behold Christ. I can't give you any inspiration to go out and do a bunch of things to gin it up. I can't. Because we're all at the mercy of Jesus, aren't we? But we can do what it says here. Just let, let Christ come out of the pages of the Scripture. Let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit that we would behold Him. To be renewed. So I leave you with these things. Behold Christ. Let the Bible tell you what to behold about Christ. It's sad. I don't, even, I don't even feel like being critical right now. I just feel like it's just sad that so many people have no clue who Jesus is. And when they talk about him, it's, just, it's, just, it's a Jesus that's unrecognizable to the Bible. And like I said, I'm not even interested in criticizing anybody because it's just so sad. So let the Bible, let the pages of the Bible, yes, the New Testament, but like Isaiah 40 and, and Isaiah 53. Go read Isaiah 53 this week. Let the pages of the Bible show you who Jesus is and then just behold him. Come to him today. As a king who did battle on your behalf, trust him. Come to him today as a shepherd who understands you and loves you and will carry you today and entrust your life to him. And another thing I would say is let's pray. Let's pray this season. Let's pray that people would be renewed, not, not in some temporary way, not in some you know, supercharged inspiration that's going to last about 10 minutes. Not in just a mere experience of an emotion that gets them through a day, but let's, let's be in prayer today that God's people will be renewed in a true vision of Jesus Christ. One more application would be, let's find our voice. Let's find our voice as the church and as Christians, that we would be the heralds of good news that we would be the evangelists up on a hill, a city up on a hill, declaring to the the cities around and the nations around, behold, this is Jesus Christ. Let's pray for a, a voice, a renewed spirit, so it can come out of our voices as the church proclaiming Christ.